February 5th, 2023. We're continuing in Mesilat Yasharim. We're in the middle of Perik Yoda Aleph. It's a daunting task just to finish Perik Yoda Aleph. We're up to this paragraph which says, Vihine dibarti adhenna. If you recall, this Perik is uh, dealing with, this chapter is dealing with it's the definition of what's to be naki, to be cleansed of well certain sins which were prone to fall prey to, and they're uh, the most common ones which he's addressing. And he's trying to, Ramchal is, uh, delineate for us the many circumstances and situations that in everyday life human beings are most prone to fall prey. So he talked already about this Gemara and Masechet Bava Batra, which he's going to cite again, Rubam Begezer, the majority of human beings, Jews included, are involved, whether knowingly or unknowingly, or justifying for themselves their doing. Gezer, straight up, thievery, taking from others when it's inappropriate. So we talked at great length about that, Mesilat Yesharim set forth for us many of the divrei hachamim, many of the circumstance situations where people do or may fall prey to that. The next statement in that Gimaram Bavabatrandaf Kof Samechhe is that Mi'utam Ba'arayot, less so, but still a good amount, are involved, whether knowingly or unknowingly, in this sin of Giluya Arayot, the Torah in many places warns us and then it gives the punishment that would be incurred if a person engages in arayot. Giluya arayot is inappropriate sexual promiscuity. And in turn, Misilat Yesharim, for our purposes today, will deal with that sin next with regards to A, the severity, B, uh, the tendency and see the details that are that are included in that. Right? Until now, I've spoken with you. With regards to the details of one of these mitzvot. Of course, in each of the mitzvot, uh, you'll find many of those details uh, with regards to the fine details and the many derivatives with regards to it. We have the page number? Perek Yod Aleph. Omnam, however, Eneni maskira ela otam shiri gilim rov bene adam likashel bahem. He says, however, I'm specifically focused on the sins which rov bene adam, with the majority of people, um, will fall prey to. Uh, they're the ones that they sin most. 171, I'm way ahead in there. Okay. And as a result, we'll discuss now. Excuse me. He says, I'm going to talk about Arayot. They too are Hamudim. Lotahmod, of course, is an Isur. One of the uh, Ten Commandments. Lahmod means to covet. This is also a very coveted sin. There may be sec- second on the rung of those which we're most prone to, to Gezel, but they're still quite high up there. That's the statement of the Hachamim. The majority are involved in Gezel, perhaps less, perhaps a minority, but still an amount that's sufficient for us to focus upon involved in arayot. Vihine. A person who's searching, seeking, and hopes to be menaket, to cleanse himself of this sin. 
גם לא תצטרך מלאכה לא מועטת. If you thought that the uh, arduous, difficult uh, process of reading yourself of sin is only relevant to Gezel, you should know it's very, very relevant to Arayot as well. כי אין בכלל האיסור גופו של מעשה בלבד, אלא כל הקרב אליו. מסילת ישרים will focus for our purposes primarily on the קרב אליו. The derivatives, the accessories to Gilui Arayot, because he warns us and explains, it's not only the act of sexual promiscuity in its totality which is forbidden, it's that which brings you to it, that which makes a person prone to going all the way with regards to the sin. And indeed it's a pasuk in its entirety read and understood, Lo tikrevu legalot erva. And Pasuk says, don't even come close to expose nakedness. And those words, lo tikrevu, he will in turn cite from the Midrash, are what the Hachamim understand to mean for us, not only the act in its fullest is forbidden, but even that which is the side effects, the accessories of it, the Hachamim often will refer to as avizarayu. Ve'amruzal, amar ha-kadosh baruchu al-tomar, ho'il ve'asur li lihishtamesh be'isha, hareni tofsa, ve'en li'avon, hareni begapefa, ve'en li'avon, o shani noshka, ve'en li'avon. The Hachamim had this statement, don't say that since the only part which is forbidden from the Torah is gilui erva, is the actual sin in its fullest, well, as a result, I'll hold on to a woman, perhaps I'll hug her and embrace her, uh, maybe I'll in some way or another kiss her, and I won't be sinning by so doing. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the expression in turn of God to that person is keshem shim nadar nazir shalolishtot yayin, the same way if a nazir, the Torah describes in Parashat Nasof, a person man or woman determines and decides that they want to be a nazir. One of the prohibitions which is placed upon them is the isur of drinking wine. Now, is it only wine? Well, the Torah is explicit beyond just wine. Asur lo le'echol anavim lachim viveshin umishrat anavim v'cholai yosem migefen hayayin. It's the uh, it's the seeds. It's the dried up uh, um, grapes. It's the uh, skins of the grapes as well. Not only the wine in its uh, purest and most pristine sense. This is all explicit in the Torah. Mishrat anavim is asur. The zag is asur, and so forth. Well, that already, the Midrash cites for us, is somewhat of an anomaly, but, it's, uh, but, but we need to take it as some sort of uh, vision and understanding of hoke or mitzvot ha-Torah. Let's just a moment step back again and appreciate that statement. The statement of the Midrash is that primarily the Nazir is supposed to abstain from drinking wine. However, the Torah places upon that Isur of wine, Gezerot. There are safeguards, there are fences which are built by God himself, not even the pits, not the, uh, the, uh, anything that comes from the grapes, not dried up grapes, not the uh, skins of the grapes. That's a gezerah from the Torah. It comes with the isur from the Torah. Although the kavanata Torah, the, the uh, uh, intention is that you not drink wine, by extension, God says anything that comes close to wine. There are other examples, other notable examples of where you have gezerot from the Torah. The reason I mention this is because generally speaking, for good reason, we assume that a siag or a geder or a gezerah is from the rabbis. It's the first Mishnah and Masechet Avot. One of the statements of Anshei Knesset HaGedola is that you should make certain 
that you put a siag Torah, safeguard, keep people away. We're in the Gemara now learning about the Isur of Mukseh. It's a Gezerah from the rabbis. We learned about Mashkin Shezavu or Perot Neshenashru. Now we have these ideas very often, not only on Shabbat, Gezerot Midrabbanan. You have Gezerot Min HaTorah as well. That's, so to speak, God modeling for us a certain approach which is oftentimes appropriate with regards to uh, keeping yourself away from sinning. Another famous uh, example, according to many, is the Isurim on Hametz on Pesach. The Isur is not only to eat, which might be the primary function with regards to sinning, but it's Bal Yera'eu Bal You're not allowed to have it in your possession. You're not allowed to have it seen in your possession. That might be a Gezerah from the Torah, according to many. Rabbi Yosef Engel has a large collection. There are many in, in, in the last uh, several decades who have collected these as well. It's always a tantalizing, interesting thought that God himself in the Torah uh, forewarned us, don't even come close to sinning, whereas we generally speaking associate that with the rabbis, with our subsequent generation's appreciation of the Torah. There's the fire, keep you away from it. God himself tells us to do so at times. Well, that's the Midrash again. The Midrash is in the context of Arayot. And in turn, says the Midrash, the same way Kivyachol, God turned to us and said, by Nazir, it's not only not drinking wine, but it's anything coming close to wine which is forbidden. So too, a woman who's, so to speak, not yours, you're not married to her, she's not permitted to you. There's a prohibition of touching her at all. Any person who touches her in such a fashion brings death to himself. Truth is, if I'm not mistaken, the Midrash, his Doresh, this, from the famous juxtaposition in Pesukim, beginning of Parashat Naso, we have Sota and Nazir placed one next to the other. Sota, a wayward woman who's allegedly uh, been a person who sinned with another. Um, the, what's the juxt- Why does the Torah place one next to the other? Well, there are many messages to be understood. Among them, the statement in this Midrash is that the Homer, the severity of Arayot, needs to be envisioned by us as something that, so to speak, God says to us, well, distance yourself from, is that Asur, and again, this is technical, but significant, is that Asur from the Torah or Midrabbanan. In other words, this Isur, which is being mentioned, don't even hug or kiss or hold or touch. Uh, is that all Asur from the Torah? Is the Pasuk when it says, don't come close? Is that the interpretation of that Pasuk? Or is that alternatively what we might call an asmachta? It's only assumed that a banan, but still very much prohibited. This midrash doesn't let on to that. It does bring us in the direction of appreciating this isur in Avotir binatan and Perik Bet, the primary source for this issue. This is mentioned matter-of-factly. The Torah has to teach you that in any of these sorts of circumstances, the prohibition even coming close. It's a famous mahloka between Harambam and Ramban Nahmani about this isur of Gilui Arayot, but Kirvat Gilui Arayot. Harambam at the onset of Perikaf Aleph of Hilchoti Surebiya, Harambam and Sefer Mitzvot in Mitzvah Shinun Gimal lists this as an isur from the Torah, a person who has intention. In a lustful, pleasurable fashion to touch a woman, to come close to her, in a way that again lends itself with his full intentionality to a lustful sexual encounter, although not 
ultimately speaking, come to the full act, Asur from the Torah, Ramban Nachmani, though not um, t- turning down this uh, derasha, though not permitting, says this is only asmachta be'almat midrabbanan. This is important with regards to extenuating circumstances, to d- delineating and determining whether this isur, which is severe either way, is sliced as midrabbanan min ha-Torah. For example, in the context of doctors, are doctors permitted to be dealing with patients, woman to man, man to woman? Well, on the one hand, if this is midrabbanan, there's already a little bit more leniency. You might say, well, it's uh, it's pikuach nefesh, it's the stay of alive. Alternatively, if this has the same status as gilui arayot, as actual uh, pr- promiscuous uh, sexual activity, well, there are three sins. The Gemara tells us in Masechet, Sanhedrin and Dafa'in Dalit that Yehareg Val Yaavor, you have to trans you have to take death instead of transgress transgressing, which means to say, as the Gemara and elsewhere, Masekh Pisahim and Daf Kafe has, Bakomitrapein, you can cure with all things except for Abu Dazara, for example. So what about with Kilu Yarayot? There's well-known words of Tirumat Hadeshin who forbade a doctor, whether to his wife who's in Nida or another woman, taking even her pulse. Maran Bet Yosef cites this. We generally speaking are not posek lahalacha like this opinion, that it would be forbidden even at the risk of death. But there is such an opinion out there with regards to appreciating and understanding the severity that's envisioned by Harambam. The reason we generally, among other reasons, don't accept this is because Shach famously counters and points out that Harambam's words are specifically, as we mentioned, Derech Ta'ava, Kiruv Basar, Hiba, the intention and the way and the lustful fashion, that's what's of primary significance. A doctor, we'd imagine, is not really engaged in such, uh, in such involved, we hope, is not involved with such intentions. He's looking to save the life of the person or to help them. It's for that reason there's leniency uh, very much abundantly and, and, and fully accepted under most circumstances. But if That's, you don't follow the Rambam's saying that it has to be lustful, then you're going to have to extend it and say you can't shake woman's hand in a business meeting. That that is correct. I'm saying you either have to take it. To, if you don't follow that, that you're not. That that is correct. That is correct. That that, that is correct. Rav Moshe Feinstein talks about this in the context of sitting on subways or sitting on buses in New York City, and he's permitting. He says when the person sits next to a woman, okay, there's another seat next to not next to a woman. Certainly, you should take that seat. Why put yourself in a position where there's potential sin or involvement? But alternatively, if the person's mindset is not kiruv bazar, leave aside shaking hands. Talk about sitting next to the person. In such a situation, he says it's permitted, even when the bus or train is uh, subway is, is is very full, and as a result, there's a fear that you might get pushed into. He says, well, even when we're dealing with Harambam, the severe opinion of 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 an isur from the Torah, it's terech ta'avan hiba. But continues Mesilat Yisharim, and again in the context of proper conduct. All these technicalities, albeit very significant and important for us to delineate and understand them in a practical sense, but in terms of perspective, in terms of approach, well, Mesilat Yisharim is very much setting forth for us, well, here's the approach, here's the mindset, distance yourself from such matters. Habet manifleu divreha ma'amar hazeh, it says, uh, look into how how, um, how wondrous the words of this Midrash, again, likening the Nazir to Arayot, ki himshilet ha-isur hazel le-Nazir, asher afal pishayikar ha-isur eno ele shetiyat yayim. Mesilat Hashem is explaining what we just discussed. 
and uh, and explained before he did so. Uh, so he says, although a nazir, the primary isur, the kavanat Torah, is to distance that person and prohibit for them wine. The Torah extended it and said any involvement with wine, the zag, and so forth. So, interestingly, Misilat Yesharim is matter-of-factly accepting the opinion of Ramban Nachmani that we mentioned earlier. His statement is, this Midrash is teaching us that you should liken to the Nazir all the actions and decisions of the rabbis, which means to say when it comes to arayot, when it comes to prohibited sexual encounters, anything that's not the full act is asumid rabbanan, it's a siyag and it's a geder. Okay, that notwithstanding, he's making clear for us the severity, he's quoting the Midrash, I'm quoting further for you, Avotir Binatan, which is earlier, to the best of my knowledge, than Midrash Rabbah, and as a result, oftentimes looked at as more of a halachic source that Ramban, Nahmani, and Harambam are really deriving their laws from. So that we should understand. That indeed is the will of God that we build siyagim, that we have gezerot. And as a result, when there's something that's a sur from the Torah, we should derive and understand from that with chokhmah, with proper knowledge and understanding of ourselves and others. Well, what is that gezerah? There's a well-known statement of Ben Yishai, which Hakam of Adya Yosef is want to quote, and that is, in today's day and age, we don't make gezerot mida'atenu. What he means by that is not negating the words of misilat yesharim here. What he means by that is a formal, a normative practice to say, our congregation, our community, our nation are now prohibited from X, Y, and Z because we fear ABC that we don't do. But for each person to accept upon themselves gezerot, for each person in whatever context and situation of your life or family or whatever it is, to say this is something that we'd like to distance ourselves further from, there's nothing inappropriate about that. People oftentimes are mistaken by the words of Rashi, quoting from the Midrash in, in Bereshit, in the story of Adam and Hava, where Hava falls prey to the Nahash because Hava and Adam had made up amongst themselves that they won't only not eat from the tree of Etzadat, but they also won't touch it. And the Nahash, as the Midrash describes it, pushes her in and says, the same way you've touched it and haven't died, so too if you eat from it, you won't die. And so the assumption is, you see, you shouldn't make Gezerot. You see, Gezerot, rabbinic prohibitions, or what makes it all wrong. That's not the statement. It's that we be clear in the Gezerot. It's that we understand that Gezerah is distancing myself, but don't mistaken what's the Gezerah and what's the actual Isur. Now keep that clear for yourself. The second that, that dissolves, the second you don't understand the distinction, is the moment, and that's the point of Rashi, that mistakes begin to creep in. It's uh, by extension that by arayot, anything that's of its type, 
um, or as close to it as Asur, and he's going to go into details, Mesilat Yesharim, well, irrespective of what, um, what, what um, sense we're dealing with, the Hainu, for example, Ben if it's actual touch, Ben if it's sight, Ben Bedibur, if it's speech, Ben if it's hearing, and even if it's not one of the senses, it's thought, each of these have severities, have prohibitions and restrictions in it of themselves with regards to this domain known as Arayot. And I'll bring you proofs from the words of the rabbis with regards to these prohibitions by Gilui Arayot of the Kirba Asura, the coming close, which is prohibited. When it comes to touching, the Hainu Hanigiao, Hibuk Vechayotet, touching versus hugging, find it by Elama Alam and Mashi Sakhano in Sorech Laharik. So I'm not going to go further. I quoted you the Midrash earlier. We, as a group, discussed that at greater length. Harambam, Ramban Nahmani, Ramosha Feinstein, etc. Bere'iya, what about when it comes to sight? Amruza, he cites from the Hachamim, Berachot. Yad Yad the statement uh, and understanding the, the Pasuk in Mishlev, the Hachamim, is if a person's counting money into the hand of a woman with, listen to the words again, your expressed purposes. That's along the lines of what we learned from Harambam, the Kavana, the intention is important. But your intention is to look at her, into her eyes, into her hands, at her body as you're doing so. Lo what's the Yinake to be cleansed of? Midina shel Gehenam. The Sakel is further like detailed looking, not just a... Ve'amru od, sure, ve'amru od, we'll talk about it in a moment or two. Mipene mahusrechu Yisrael sheboto hador kapara. The Gemara is Doresh, the Pesukim, with regards to Milhamet Midian. And uh, it says, why is it that they needed atonement? This Gemara Masech Shabbat. Because their eyes were zoneh with the irva. Their eyes, not their hands and not their body parts, their eyes specifically. Amarav mipene mana hakatuf takshitin shebachutim takshitin shebebefnim. The Pesukim in the Torah mention both the kumas, which is an internal adornment, and as well as a tabat, which is an external piece of jewelry. Why are they placed one next to another in the Torah's description of what came from Midian? What was problem? To tell you, even the exposed parts of a woman, looking at them, and again, we'll return to those words in a moment, with purposeful intent, it's as if you're looking at the uh, closed off, the covered parts. And the Gemara Masechet Avodah Zaran Davkaf, V'nishmarta mikol davara, Shelo yistakel adam bishana, V'afilu hi penuya b'eshet ish, V'afilu mechoeret. The Gemara says that, V'nishmarta mikol davara, You should safeguard yourself from all wrongdoing, from all, all evil, uh, so that to the extent that you shouldn't be looking at a woman whom you deem to be beautiful, uh, even if she's single, and even a woman who's uh, not so beautiful if she's married shouldn't be purposefully looking at her. When it comes to Re'iyah, I'd like to for a moment or two just take a step back and appreciate 
uh, in the eyes of the Hachamim, and in turn our appreciation of what sight could and should be uh, for us on a spiritual level, aside from just the coarse level of seeing and understanding. You see, the Torah has, um, with regards to both Yitzhak and then by Yaakov, it describes at the end of their life how their eyes were diminished, they weren't able to see well. And in each of those circumstances, there's as a result almost a um, overcompensation with other senses when they're about to give a, ble- a beracha. When it comes to Yitzhak, so Yitzhak expresses, He smells, He smells something on the clothing of Yaakov, which for him triggers um, some sort of appreciation. Now that, in that context of beracha, the Torah tells us he couldn't see, but he smells. And then at the end of the life of Yaakov in, uh, in, uh, in Parashat Vayahi, in Perek Bim Dalet, so the Pasuk describes, Yisrael Yaakov was no longer able to see. And so Yosef brings his children forward, he hugs them and he kisses them, of course, Menashe and Ephraim. Sephorno, if I'm not mistaken, in his commentary to the Torah over there suggests that the, the, the hugging and kissing is directly looking to, so to speak, compensate for the inability to see. When a person is blessing another, when a person is achieving or hoping to achieve a high spiritual platform, so sight, uh, perhaps the, the easiest perception with regards to another, with regards to the world around you, is of primary significance. To see the other means I tapped into them. To see them means I can see beyond just what's in front of me. The inability to see, in turn, meant that they needed to appreciate the other, Yaakov and Yitzhak, in another way with their senses. Just speaking with them, just listening to them, just thinking about them wouldn't be sufficient. It would have been sight, which was important, uh, but they weren't able to do so. I mean, sight should be, in terms of our appreciation, somewhat at the top of this description with regards to spiritual uh, comprehension and, and, and understanding. Uh, the truth is the Gemara has in several places strange, peculiar statements with regards to sight. The Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Daflamit Gimala Mutbet, when it describes how Bishimon ben Yochai and his son emerge from the cave, from the Me'ara, they see a person who's toiling in the fields, and they look at him and their eyes zap him with fire. It's their eyes which do so. The Gemara shortly afterwards on Daflamit Dalit talks about Natan Bo'inad v'nehepach legal shel atzamot. Uh, some sort of looking and in turn uh, uh, creating a pile of bones, killing the individual. We'll come back to that one in a moment. After Bili Ezer is excommunicated in the famous story of Tanu Shalach Na'i, and when he finds out about that, any place he looked, burnt. Eyes, whether literal or not, have that power in a domain, in a platform beyond the simple this world sight. Um, what's the Gal Shala Atzamot? You have it there in Shabbat and Dafna Medalit. You have it at the end, or toward the end of Masechet Berachot and Dafna Nuhet. We learned it this summer, Masechet Sanhedrin and Dafkof. I have a Natan Bo'inav. You look at the individual, and they pach the Gal Shala Atzamot, and they became a pile of bones. Uh, parenthetically, I think I mentioned it then. Uh, I once saw from Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav, he suggests that those words, Gal Shala Atzamot, Gal is Milashon Gilui. 
Gal really means a pile over here, but gilui means something that's exposed. Asamot, of course, means bones, but it's milashon la'atzomenaim, to close something, to squint and not see it. Uh, so to speak, it's in a circumstance where one person looks at the other, realizes they're doing something wrong, and says, you think you've been otzem, you think you're hiding this? Well, I see it. There's a description then of important people looking and reality changing. I've more than once mentioned and realize the Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit and Daf Kafdal, it says that the beauty of a person is determined by the beauty of their eyes. Uh, the literal sense notwithstanding, which is true as well, very often, it describes the sight of a person, the ability to truly see something and tap into it on a spiritual level. The ability to look and to see in a real sense, we saw it in this last week's parasha, um, Moshe Rabbeinu twice was raising his hands up and a staff up in order to cause the people to see and in turn to fear. Sight has a power beyond just seeing and knowing what's right here and now. Uh, the uh, the okay. leaders were known as Eneha Eda. The description then of the Isur, of the prohibition, the strict prohibition of the Nishmarta Mikol Davara. Who said that's talking about sight? The Torah says you should safeguard yourself from evil has to be sight. Sight is the most sensitive of senses that can be skewed in one of two directions. If you focus it on spiritual matters, if you tap into a dimension beyond the here and now, so your sight can propel you, can raise you. Alternatively, if your sight is on matters of prohibition, Side is on matters which shouldn't be involved. So then we're dealing with, uh, with, with burning of others, with burning of self. What about speech with regards to arayot? The Mishnah Navot in Perek Aleph talks about a person who has marbe ribui sihai maisha. He overdoes speech with. The Mishnah continues and it says, Beishto amru kavahome beishet havero. Talking about even with your wife, certainly with another. Well, of course, that's marbe. What does it mean to be ribui, to be over talking with the other. It's not a good idea to over talk with your wife. You always get in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Uh, the Gemara, however, in Masechet Eruvin, which is not Nifsak Lahalacha, but it bears mention now, and Dafnun Gimala Mutbet has Beruria. Beruria, of course, was the wife of Rabbi Meir. She was walking with Rabbi Yoseh Hagilili, or she was walking, and Rabbi Yoseh Hagilili encounters her. Rabbi Yoseh Hagilili asks her, What is the way to load? Or how are we walking to load? I forgot the exact last of the Gemara, and she says to him, silly Gilili, can you imagine how you spoke to me just now? You should have said, how to load, minimizing your words. Of course, that's an expression of Beruria, whom we know from the Talmud was sharp and to the point and beyond the letter of the law, but the description then of the Mishnah needs to be taken with a certain sense of seriousness. To overdo speech, that doesn't mean not to speak at all, but to overdo speech, and again, even outside of sexual context, could lead to, could lead to, if not done purposely and appropriately, a wrongful conduct and thoughts. The truth is, with regards to sight and by extension speech, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein in his Igrot Moshe and Halakalf and Orachim and Siman Mim, he talks about even a rabbi who's meeting with women. He says it's important. He says, listen, of course, you're going to look at them in order to give the proper attention and respect. He doesn't say those words, but he implies them. But he says to overly be looking and to be overly speaking, he says there has to be guidelines, there has to be restrictions. Sure. 
again, this is not a call to take yourself out of normal society, to not be a social individual. This is a call to, for each person to be honest with themselves and to understand, not a matter that we could or should be ignoring per se. And when it comes to hearing uh, in the context of Arayot, the statement of the Gemara, Masech Berachot, Andaf Kafdalet, Shohan Aruch, Nisiman Ayin He, Kol Be'isha Irva, the voice even of a woman is irvaz in some way akin to uh, sexuality. So how far does that extend? There's plenty to be said about that. We've had classes and discussed that. Uh, the famously, Siri De'esh has a teshuba in which he is talking about Shire Kodesh. If women are singing songs for Shevach and he has rooms and grounds for leniency dependent upon the circumstance. Hacham Ovadia Yosef, until a few years ago, was just a teshuba which is floating around. After his death, Chedek Zayin of Yahavedat was published, and he published a teshuba in which he was asked about a dormitory of girls, of women, and there was a, a family who wanted to have the, the, the husband and children there, and about the permissibility of being there on Shabbat when they're singing Zemirot. I guess we would say Pizmonim, but I think it was Zemirot. And he has rooms, he quotes from Stehemed and others, for leniency, he doesn't say that you should be there. It's as if that's the circumstance. There's room and grounds for permissibility. Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein of Yeshivat Haretzion wrote at greater length most recently about this, so maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He talks about a society, specifically in Israel, where women are more involved in Shire Kodesh and about the grounds for, if there is grounds for permissibility, he scans and looks into the words of the Poskim and the Rishonim, and commentary to this Gemara and elsewhere, and the the key words seem to be through and through that we're talking about, generally speaking, listening to a woman, A, with the intention of feasting your ears in a sexual fashion, and B, is her intention to a certain extent in her singing. Uh, those are important things to have in mind as you make appropriate decisions. And furthermore, with regards to speech and listening, the rabbis, uh, so to speak, shouted out like a, like a, stor- a, a storch, is it? As a, a, a bird that makes loud noises. You shouldn't have literally seen by you nakedness of a matter. It's in fact referring to of your dibur, of your speech. That's wrongful speech. And the Gemara on Shabbat There are sorrows and, and young men who in the vision of the Hachamim. Uh, might be an exaggerated statement, but the severity is made clear. I die prematurely. A person who speaks wrongfully, of course, Ms. is applying it in our context, the sexual Curses. wrongfulness. So Ms. Elisheim is doing it in our context. Some statements about deepening uh, the, the depths of already uh, deep Gehenom. The Gemara furthermore says everybody knows why a kala is under the chupa, what's going to take place with her husband, her new husband. If a person speaks in such a fashion, has to say it explicitly, you know what they're 
taking place. You know why she's here? I feel even if he has a positive gizardin uh, decree upon him from God for seventy years, it'll be reversed. If there's wrongful sexual conversation between husband and wife, uh, too lightheaded, uh, the, the level of levity is is, is maximized. That'll be uh, mentioned, so to speak, at your din your judgment and furthermore and along the same lines in terms of hearing it it's not only a person who's speaking wrongfully in sexual context person who's listening it's clear then that all of the senses we're not only talking about touch we're talking about hearing about seeing about speaking need to be cleansed and distanced from the matter of Zenut. He hasn't, although he will, he hasn't yet addressed Mahshava, which he told us he would, and that's even thoughts and uh, understanding and appreciating uh, a cleansed thought with regards to such matters.